Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys believe it? Go ahead and stand with me. I'm like, Pastor, I feel the worship in the house this morning do such a great job of videos. If you would open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 24, and as you turn there, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the wonderful things. How many of you guys still have Christmases to go? Yeah, me too. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't. We do have New Year's, though. New Year's, New Year's Eve. Today, as we talk about, are we there yet? No, you're not. <laughs> we... <laughs> We still have New Year's to go and New Year's Eve, so you still have some more parties and more Christmases to be, but that's okay. Right, man? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but whenever I get to this point, I'm happy to see January 3rd, 4th, and 5th and everything kind of get back to normal. Yeah. So you're not there quite yet, but uh, enjoy the season that we're in. And here, Paul is taking us through a journey of his life. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism. We're going to talk a little bit about making sure that we're set right in the Spirit to continue on what God is going to do. And also, what is He going to do in your life in 20 and 22? Amen? Yeah, God wants to do something. As Pastor mentioned today, and I believe it's true, there's something great about the newness uh, of the new year, right? There's something awesome, like, God, what are you going to do? I'm glad that I want to be a part of it. But there's some things that we can learn here from Paul. So let's go ahead and get started. Verse 19, even though I'm a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew, um, bring, uh, bring Jews to Christ, uh, bring bring Jews to Christ, excuse me. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I lived under that law. Even though I, I am not subject to the law, I did so so I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Do you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. It's good advice, amen? Run to win. Let's bow our heads. Father, speak to us this morning. We pray, let our hearts be open to you and you alone. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Wave at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad to see them. So, are we there yet? The answer is no, we're not there yet. And that's more than just seasonal. You know, God's trying to do something in our life, and as He tries to do things in our life, coming to that understanding that we just haven't arrived yet is okay. It makes us normal. It lets us know that we're not perfect, that God is still trying to do some things in our life, that He's trying to bring us to a point. I was thinking of that old question as I was preparing this sermon that we get from our kids in the car, are we there yet? And I was thinking about in our lives how we get to ride in an air-conditioned car and we have a back seat, you know, and the kids are behind us probably and there's TV and music and all this wonderful things to keep them busy. Can I get an amen? 
Yes, yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we also have conversations and jokes and things like that and tell stories, but we have, so much, we have it so much easier. I want you guys to think about the Oregon Trail for a second. Now, if you don't know much about the Oregon Trail, it was in the 1800s, really began to spring up about 1841, and there were four, fur trappers and, and people like that who, who went ahead, but there was this trail cut from Missouri to Oregon that people began to travel in search of a new land and new life and of course the government organized some things where people could go and get land like a square mile and things like that. In 1941, 70 people made the trek. In 1942, about 100. And then in 1943, a boom came and there was about 1,000 people who left. Now, this is the, this is the thing. It was a five-month journey thereabouts. Can you imagine? You're pulling out and two weeks later, you look back and you can see the starting point. And your kids look at you and say, are we there yet? <laughs> They're in the back of a nasty wagon with animals that smell wonderful, right? Yeah, all kinds of awesome stuff happen around them with dangers like wind and weather and snake bites and falling off of animals and all these other things, you know? And then when they get about halfway through the journey, it really starts getting hard. Canyons begin to get steeper. They have to go even, even further to, to Oregon, and uh, it just gets worse. And could you imagine that question popping up again? Are we there yet? And we think we have it hard today. But what's so interesting about the Oregon Trail is this, that they would go, and even after they got to their place, now they had to set up a homestead, they had to make fences, they had to get their animals and a lot. So technically, are we there yet? Yes, we're at a location, but have we really turned it into what we want it to? And the answer is probably not. But this is the same question that we strive as Christians. Are we there yet? Well, we won't reach perfection until we stand before Jesus Christ. Amen? That's not going to happen. But we do know that there are seasons and situations in our life and opportunities to conquer and battles to win. We have the victory. Amen? Yes. Okay? And God wants to teach us those things. So what is he trying to do? Where is he trying to bring us to? And you can imagine on the Oregon Trail after five months of, of rough riding and everything is limited in water and food and energy, what they were going through. And you know, sometimes as God is taking us through things, it can feel like that. It can feel like that. But we want to, if we're not careful, we kind of romance, romanticize the journey. I love talking to young people who aren't married yet. And they have such a wonderful picture of what marriage really is in family. Oh, I can imagine my first vacation driving with my two kids, you know, and my wife. And it's heaven in the car. People are poking and prodding each other, right? Yeah, and there's all kinds of wonderful smells in the car too, you know. Shouldn't eat the Frito chili pie, that type of deal. You know, and, and you learn to get along with your wife. I know my wife and I communicate a lot better now than we did the first couple of years of marriage in the car. You know, close, close quarters aren't always the best. But we romanticize that. And the reason why we romanticize that sometimes is because it's the someday family. Someday. It's like the someday house. The someday house, you don't have to mow the lawn or trim the hedges or, or fix anything that breaks down. Why? Because it's a someday house. That's what we do with someday families, right? And we, we do that. Well, this is the reality is we don't live with a someday family or a someday life. It's a today life, amen? And some of you guys have been battling a lot of stuff this season. And you still got one or two more Christmases to go. You still got a New Year's to go. So hold on tight. And what I love about this message is it teaches us that it's for the now. It's for right now. But it's also for next year and five years from now, amen? 
And Paul has taken us through a journey of his life, how he becomes multiple different things so that the one thing that he can do is share Christ. No matter the season, no matter who he's with, why he's with them, he shares Christ. And it's so easy in our life whenever the pressure's on to begin to lose our light. Amen? The bushel goes under, maybe the stress, the pressure. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to sit on the couch and not go anywhere. Does anybody else? Yes, I just want to eat my brownie in peace. I don't have to have a lot of people around me. This, this pecan pie is better when I, don't have to, when I don't have to talk about it. I just get to eat it, amen? And we, we know that. But we don't want to romanticize this thing and make it, and make it to a, a point that, that it's not really for today, that we all have issues, we have problems, we have situations that we're trying to change, amen? But we're keeping the main thing, the main thing, which we've been preaching since the very beginning, Jesus Christ and the glory and the light that he gives and the opportunity and the sa- uh, salvation, amen? But Paul here talks about there's some challenges that we face. There's some challenges that we face along the journey, some things that we all go through. And Paul here writes about it. And you got to love the Apostle Paul here. But all of our journeys have challenges, whether it's next year or maybe it's January 4th that we're looking for, December 22 or five years from now or whatever we're going through. There's some things that we can do with people to make our life a little bit easier. There's some things that we can do even maybe with goals and situations that we can, we can make it easier. Here I love in verse 23, Paul is writing on his journey of life. And he, what he writes is, listen, I've been a Jew when I've needed to be a Jew. I've been under the law when I've needed to be under the law. I, when I'm around people who are not up underneath any of that, Gentiles, then I've tried to do that as well. Now he wasn't saying I'm forsaking Christianity, I'm forsaking the cross to go and do a bunch of crazy stuff. Amen? We can't do that. You know that old saying, when in Rome, act like the Romans. That's a lie. Okay, don't act like that when we read it in Scripture, okay? Now, if they drink coffee or whatever and you want to go do that, or Coke or whatever it is, you understand what I'm talking about. But here, Paul wasn't saying go out and act like a heathen, okay? He was saying, listen, there's some things that's just not worth arguing about. If you prefer to do it this way, we'll do it this way, and there's common ground. And listen, in you guys' life, you've had so many different people, maybe in your house or at your parties or different things like that, and you've been trying to do some things with them. And here, this is what Paul's saying in verse 23. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Here's some challenges that we face. Here's some challenges that we face to reach. Here's some challenges that we face to continue to shine the light in our life. The first one is we find common ground. That's really hard, isn't it? Finding common ground. It's hard finding common ground on regular days when everything's normal, when it's around people that I want to be around. Can I get an amen? Yes, I know you guys don't agree with everybody that you're around, and you're around some people so you can be around some other people, right? I know some of, you grandkids, some of your grandparents are just around some people so you can be next to the grandkids. That's all right. You don't have to shout me down. I know we don't always agree with parenting techniques and things of this nature. And you're like, but I'm not going to give up. Well, and you got to find common ground. What does this person do and what does that person do? And common ground is so important because it's really the foundation. And that's what Paul is saying. He's been around some people that he didn't necessarily agree with. He's been doing some things that made it hard. But he said, listen, I am going to find common ground. And whenever you're trying to develop a relationship, whenever you're trying to continue a relationship, whenever you're trying to, trying to deal with people, and you guys that are entrepreneurs and business owners, which is technically the same thing, or whether you work in public service or whatever your situation is, you know that not every customer, patient, person is the same. 
I've got to learn how to deal with them. I've got to learn how to interact. And it's the same thing with families. Not everybody in my family is it like angels are singing, oh, you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to be around them, you know? So, but we do. We find common ground because, listen, this light of Christ Jesus in our life is important, and it's for everybody, amen? So I become some things, and I do some things, and I keep my mouth shut, okay? which is really hard sometimes, but we find common ground. And then here Paul goes on, I love the next part of the verse, it says, do everything I can. Paul talks about how he's doing everything that he can. Have you ever been in that place where you felt like, God, I've done everything that I possibly can in this situation, for this person, for this loved one? Man, I've read scripture, I've prayed, man, I've repented of sin, I've worshiped, I've pleaded, I've cried so many tears, I don't know if there are any tears left in the bank to cry, God. And what does Paul say? He says, it's a normal thing that we want to do everything we can. He says, I do everything I can. So when you've done that, congratulations, that's very normal. That's what we do as Christians. We do everything that we, we can. And why do we do it? Because that family member, that friend, that coworker, that client, that patient, whatever situation it is, is worth it. So what do we do when we do everything that we can? You know what he wrote to the Ephesians? He wrote this to the Ephesians. When you've done everything, you just need to go ahead and stand. What do you stand on, Pastor? What do you do? Well, I stand on the promises of God that I've sowed the seed that I've needed to. Now God is going to come through. I stand on the attitudes of God. I stand on the character of God. God, I've done everything that I thought that I could do in this situation, in this circumstance. And listen, let's be real here. This is a long season. I don't know about your house, but sometimes we start watching Hallmark movies like in August. Yeah. Ooh. As my daughter would say sometimes, Ugh. yeah. It's not burr. It's like, oh, I'm not again. Oh, no, I can't wait. You know, you change your attitude real quick, right? It can be a long season. There would be a lot of parties and a lot of people. And, and sometimes what we do is we get so caught up in the nature of everything that our light kind of dims, and the reason for the season now becomes more of a problem than it does the light. And we pull back and we say, okay, I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to stand on the promises of God and know that, hey, even in the midst of the battle, I'm going to do everything that I can. And Paul continues here, and this is a very difficult part that he says, a challenge that we face through Scripture here is people's response to save some. You know, it's really hard when you know the answer and people won't accept the answer, isn't it? You know that Christ really is the answer, that it's the hope and salvation in him that's going to change it, that's going to make it different, that can change their situation. And you do everything you know to do to bring them to that point. And it's even obvious to them, and yet they still will not do it. Because not everyone responds. Not everyone responds in the time frame that we want them to respond, which is difficult as well. So we go on and we understand what Paul is saying and that means whenever he was with the Gentiles, he was with the Gentiles. With the Jews, he was with the Jews. So that means he ate and he drank and he fellowshiped and he poured in and he tried to persuade and he loved and he cared and he preached. And the famous line, to save some. You've done about everything you can do for your family. Guys, it's up to them. This is the hardest part because we do everything we can and God is responsible for the results. 
And that helps us just do more of what we know to do whenever we don't always think, well, I could have said this better, or I could have done this better, or if this would have worked out, yeah, we could what if ourselves, but we understand that the grace and mercy is very much alive in our life, and it goes before us, it goes behind us, and it covers us, amen, and it's going to help us through, and as we preach this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with our life, then we know that some will receive and some won't, and the hardest part about that is we're around so much family during this season, we're around so many people that we love and we just can't bring them to that point and it's difficult Paul had the same problem one of the greatest evangelists maybe to ever live I mean set up churches everywhere congregations grew people that you would never think would get saved man went to Paul's services and got saved and lives were changed and he spoke multiple language yet he said that's still not enough I've done everything but I still only reach some And in our situation, in our life, it can get that way very, very quick. And I know that there's this short season that we have here as we continue the new year and doing everything. But God, we've got to try our best to say, God, help me. Help me find that common ground. Help me do all the little things that I can do the very best that I can do them. And you guys have been doing some of that. I know that as I look out, there's no telling how many schedules you guys rearrange to see grandkids to see kids, how many different food platters you've had at the parties because the people can't eat this or do that, or you know what I mean? And you do all this stuff, and you try to decorate your house, and you do everything you can, and then somebody is still unhappy. Have y'all faced that? Yeah, you can't reach them all, can you? But don't abandon your faith, okay? Don't lose your religion. You just roll with it, okay? You've tried to do everything you can do. And we're at that stage. No, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. Now, what in the world does this have everything to do with the next five years, the next year? Because it's critical right now that we begin to look forward to say, God, where do you want me in 2022? Where do you want me in 2023? I need to start planning that now. And all these things can blind us. That's the reason why we do everything that we possibly can to be able to set forth those, um, to set forth those plans. Does that make sense? And we must try our, our best to do that during this season. But our mindset is critical. Paul continues to write here, and he's helping us understand how to reach. He's helping us understand how to continue the journey. God calls me here, I'm going to go do that. If he calls me here, I'm going to do that. And our mindset is absolutely important. Chapter 9, verse 1, uh, or excuse me, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, verse 23. Do you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win? And Paul's helping us understand that we're all in a race that we're running. And we know that in a normal race, one person gets the prize. But in the race that we're in, Christianity and salvation, we know that it's the prize that we get is we get to stand before our Lord and Savior on that day. And he says, "Good, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you may enter in. And that's the prize that we run for. And we run for with everything that's within inside of us. That's the reason why Paul said, I do everything that I possibly can. And we want to do that in preparation for what God wants to do in our life. God, help me do everything. Everything. Help me look ahead and run this race. And that's the thing is it's a perpetual race, but what we do is we get caught up in seasons, don't we? And sometimes we forfeit some stuff in the future because of our current season, and we can't do that. we got to say, no, God, we're going to get through what we're going to get through. And we know that it's a constant thing that God wants us to improve our spiritual lives and our physical lives and our emotional lives. And many times we can, less, we, we can settle for so much less than what God has planned for us. 
We see throughout the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, that God was wanting to do so much more through people. But because they settled for just what God, just a part of what God wanted to do, that they never got to see exactly what God wanted to do. And you and I, as we prepare, as we get our stuff together, as we say, God, what are you trying to do? That's the reason why I love preaching on this sermon, or this Sunday, because it's the Sunday before the new year. And we can say, okay, God, I've got this next week to plan stuff out, to get my things together, to say, God, where are you taking me? What are you going to do with me? Because there's that freshness, that newness of life that's very, very exciting, saying, God, you're going to start something new, and I want to be a part of this. So, and I know that it's just part of that big continual race that we run over and over and over that we're in as Christians. But it gets, it gets tough. It gets difficult. It, 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 it takes a lot to grow. I was, um, I was thinking about an Ironman contest. So an Ironman is where a, a woman or a man will, will run a race. And in the race, they, they swim 2.4 miles. That is a long ways to swim, guys. They run, or they, they bike 112 miles, and then they run 26.2 miles. Now, this is all one race. They don't do one of this one day, the next, the next. They show up at whatever time, and they work it until it's all done. And how do they finish? They just keep running. They run the race as if they're going to win. And they keep trying, and they keep trying. And of course, there's obstacles. Of course, there's things that's difficult. Of course, there's even seasons. If you've ever been a runner or a cyclist or, or even, even an athlete and you've been in games, you know that there's even seasons sometimes within that two-hour capacity or that 30 minutes that you run. Sometimes you fill up. Sometimes you fill down. Sometimes you feel like running. Sometimes you feel like stopping. You know what I'm talking about? And here we see that, we see these cycles. The fastest, one of the guys that held the world record for the longest time in the marathon, his name was Dennis Camito. His name is Dennis Camito. Dennis averaged 4.42 minutes a mile. Four minutes and 42 seconds a mile. That is incredible. Mo, let me put this in, in, in what we can understand. It's, mo, it's faster than most people's treadmill will run at high speed. Go home, turn your treadmill on as fast as you can go, and get on it and say, no, don't do that, don't do that. It's really bad. That would be a good reel, though. It'd be funny, okay? It'd be a good meme. But he, he outrun that. I mean, it, it's crazy. He finished that 26.2 miles in two hours, two minutes, and 57 seconds. Now, people have, have since beat that time. And how did they do it? They just kept running. They knew they were in the race to win, and they just kept running. Now, there is that stuff that we have to do. There is a lot of preparation before the race, and we know that. And in the kingdom of God, God will prepare us for something by taking us through something because he doesn't waste our pain, amen, and then he'll move us on to the next thing, and we'll realize what God is doing in our life. But we have to keep running. We have to keep pressing forward and saying, God, what are you trying to do in my life? Because I am not there yet. You're taking me somewhere, and I want to make sure I get there. Amen? Now, what are some things that stifle our growth? Maybe in our personal um, growth or our family growth, or maybe we head up a team, and, and there's some things that, that stifle that growth. God, we, we can't go where God wants to take us. And this is one of the things that we, we fight with is we only have one line of sight. I don't know where God's trying to take you for 2022. I don't know where he's trying to take you for the next five years, the next 10 years, or whatever you have worked out with God to be able to, to continue your family or your team. But you need to come up with more than one line 
of sight. In mentoring class, one of the things that we teach is life is, has ebbs and flows to it. Sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. You guys know what I'm talking about. Well, sometimes we're down in the valley instead of up on the mountain, and we begin to make decisions down here. The only problem with making a decision down here is there's mountains on either side, and you don't have a line of sight. So you begin to make emotional decisions. You begin to make decisions in the moment, decisions that you regret, as opposed to saying, okay, wait a second, I need to get up on top of the mountain where I can have more than one line of sight. So I don't know where you're at right now. You might be emotionally or physically fatigued. You might be really struggling in some areas. Hold off, okay? Pray God, say, God, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? Where are you taking me? But don't make any major life decisions when you're down in the valley, amen? You gotta work yourself up and say, okay, I've gotta have another line of sight. I've gotta have some help. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we ask others for insight, amen? This is another thing that people tend to do, that tend to fail at, is, is we push through it. Now, how many of you guys are self-doers? You're going to go out and do it yourself regardless, amen? Yeah, yeah, there's some of us like that. Now, this is good, and this is also a weakness, because sometimes we just need insight. I don't know how to do what I'm fixing to do, so let me go ask some people that have been there so I can get their insight. This last week, I did one of the hardest services I'd ever done in my life. And I pulled out an old sermon from Dow, and I used Dow to help me, to show me. Then I sat down and I talked with Ronnie and said, Ronnie, Pastor Ronnie, I said, Ronnie, I need your help. I'm about to do this service. And he talked to me for 10 or 15 minutes about things to do. Then I went into Pastor Mike's office, and I sat down with him, and I said, now, I need your help. And I went to three different mature ministers in the faith, and I know that Dow's in heaven and rejoicing, but I still used him and his experience, and I got through it. And it was difficult, and it wasn't easy. But because I had insight from others, there's a lot of things that I didn't say that I might have said that would have been made the situation way worse, amen? But we don't make those decisions when we're down in the valley, we ask for insight, and this is the toughest one. We're willing to be held accountable. What stifles growth so many times is the accountability. Guys, we have expert problem identifiers. There's no question about that. You know what to change, and you know you need to change it. Now it's the follow-up. You know the secret that I found with churches, with ministries, with businesses, with anything? It's follow-up. What are you going to do after you have the client, the person, whatever you're going to do? After you've identified the situation, after you know what's going on, it's all about accountability. That's the reason why insight is so important in your line of sight because you go to team members, you go to different people and you say, how can I improve? How can I get better? I know God's trying to do some stuff with my life and trying to make some things happen in my life so I don't want my growth to be stifled. I don't want this one season that I've tried to do everything in just to, just to cover it and shadow it. I still want to get ready for what God is going to do. So how do I become accountable? And you ask family and you ask friends. And go find people who are encouraging. Amen? We can be an encouraging and accountable. We can say God's got plans for you. You know, you've made up your mind. Let's go do this. But find that accountability. But sometimes we push away from that. And that's extremely dangerous. And this is one of the things that I don't get. Because in our spiritual life, it's one of the worst things to happen. It, it, sometimes in the American Christian mind especially, we feel like our spiritual life should just grow so naturally. But the only problem with that is we've got a real enemy that hates us having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the one thing that we should have things set up in our life to grow and get closer to Christ, many times we don't. 
We do in our family, we do in our career, we do in businesses. But whenever it comes to the spiritual life, and part of that reason, let me take some of that off, part of that reason is because we feel like failures. Because deep down we know that we should have a love and a passion and a desire to serve Jesus Christ. And there shouldn't be anything that stops us. But then we wake up the next morning and there's a lot of stuff that stops us, amen? There's things that happens. I know for me, if I don't get my devotion done in the morning, sometimes it's eight or nine or 10 o'clock if I'm lucky. I can amen myself because that happens. And whenever we don't have a plan and we don't have this thing prepared yet, it's the one thing that Satan wants to fight us on more than anything. And it's okay to have that plan. You have that partner. You have that and say, listen, I want to be held accountable. Maybe I want to get through the Bible this entire year. Maybe I want to fast more days than I've ever fasted. Maybe I want to do these things in the spirits. And you shouldn't feel like a failure. It happens to us all. We all need help. Amen? But don't be tricked into thinking, oh, that's the one thing that should come natural. No, it doesn't come natural. If it came natural, then all men would be saved. There would be no pride. There would be no rebellion. So don't think you're on an island. Don't think you're alone. Don't stifle your growth. Don't stifle what God is wanting to do. So what do we do? We define this question, and it's simply, and we find ourselves, and we say, okay, what is my there? Are we there yet? What's your there? Work backwards. Where do you want to wind up? I want to go through the whole Bible. I want to do this spiritually. Or maybe it's some kind of financial thing with your family or, or, or health thing. Maybe you want to be able to run this far or do this. There's a million things that there could be. And then you work backwards. You've got 12 months and you start dissecting it and saying, okay, this is what I want to do. Are we there yet? And then you find out what yet is. Is it five years from now? Is it a year from now? Is it two days from now? I know for me right now, my yet is like January 2nd. Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> I'm working backwards from January 2nd. Got a couple more parties. No, I got a great family. I really do. I really, really do. But I know that I'm working, kind of getting everything back to normal. You know, school starts again January 4th or whenever it is. And you kind of work back from there. Well, you use that same technique in the long distance. And you say, okay, what is my there? What is my yet? And this is where we're going to kind of end today. Here at, at the last part of it, we do all this, and the way that we become successful, I think Paul lets us know, because he went through a journey. He went through ebbs and flows and seasons, and he was this, and then he was that, and then he tried to do this, and he can only reach some. But at the very end here, it says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. He gives us an ideal. He gives us something to shoot for. He lets us know what is special. If you want to know how to continue to defeat the season that you're in, to make it through the season you're in, to continue to have that evangelistic spirit, to continue to have that spirit to plan, you think about what is special. What's that special reason you're doing what you're doing? And here, Paul writes, I love it, he says, I do everything. What is he doing? He finds it a special thing to work hard. He finds it special to say, I've done everything that I know to do. And I know that there's going to be a reward on the other side. You know, there's something special about working hard. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, there's something very special about being able to go home and lay your head on your pillow at night and realize that you've done everything that you can to provide for your family. Amen? That's something special. It's something special to know that you've done everything that you can to try to love your family in a way that encourages them and helps them and increases them. It's, it's something encouraging to know that we've worked hard to, to build a church and influence a community, amen? And there's something special about that. Matter of fact, as we look back, we've seen in our life what happens when an economy shuts down and we close doors. 
We now see what it's like to go back to work where there's not enough people who are willing to go back to work and, and we're having a hard time getting it going again because we took that special thing, that one thing that separated us, even as a nation among other nations, this thing called work and labor. And it was something that was great. And don't let the enemy, don't, don't, don't get lazy and, and take yourself out of the picture. You keep that work special in your life. And say, God, what can I work on today? That's how we accomplish the things. I mean, how did Paul keep saying, I do everything? That he would go to town and to church and to situation after situation because he kept that really near and dear to him. That I know that if I do what the Lord has told me to do, if I go where he tells me to go and I do what's necessary and I work hard, then there's something special about that. There's something special about being able to set myself up whenever I stand before God and I hear those wonderful words, well done, now good and faithful servant, because there's something special about work. I did everything I knew to do. And listen, some of you guys are doing that. Many of you guys are doing that. You continue to do that in this season. Continue to be the light. Continue to be the love. Continue to do those things that you know to do. But don't forget, 2022 is coming. Let's set ourselves up and say, okay, am I doing everything that I know to do now so that I can have success a year from now? Amen? Because that doesn't just happen. That doesn't just happen in the spiritual, in the physical, in the emotional, in our career life. God, am I doing everything? And how do I do that? I take joy in it and know that there's something special. There's going to be something special January 2nd when I know that I've held my temper together and I just didn't let my mouth run off when I really wanted to tell some people what I thought. Yeah, I know you guys have been thinking about it. That's okay. I've pushed a cart in Walmart too. All right, we've all been there. We've all been there. All right, Target or whatever store you shop at. How many of you guys, how many of you guys this year took Amazon boxes, right? You, you ordered in, you cut it open, you looked at it, you folded it back up and you wrapped it in the same box that it came from. Oh, I love it. Yes, yeah, so much easier than wrapping it in a Walmart sack and tying it. You know, it looks so much prettier. Okay, Paul continues to go on here and he says, listen, we want to we work hard. We know that's that special, but we also want to share Christ. Listen, in everything that we do, it's about presenting Christ. And, and people say, well, is it really? Yes, it really, really is. In my work ethic, in the way that I love my family, and the way that I care about my community, it's all about sharing Christ. That they may come to him and know him as Savior and Lord of their life. And that is an incredible honor. It's an honor to do it today, tomorrow, next year. It's a very, very special thing that he chose us first. We answered the call, and now he lives within our hearts, and we know that we have hope. We know it, and it's very special. So as we prepare ourselves, why do I want a better team? Well, the same reason why Paul wanted to reach the Jews and the Gentiles and everywhere else he went, because he knew that he was sharing this gospel of Christ. I want to increase the team, and I want to increase my personal life. I want to increase my spirituality. Why? Because it's for the cause of Christ. Amen? That people may look and peer into our life and ask us questions and we can say, listen, none of this wouldn't be possible without my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We get to share Christ. Paul says to spread the good news. And finally, he ends that with sharing in its blessing. We get to walk in the blessing of Christ. We're not, as Christians, we're not on the outside peering in while we're doing the work of Christ and, and nothing's working out to our benefit. We don't separate ourselves and see the blessings just happen, but we get to walk in those blessings. We get to work hard, we get to share Christ, 
And then as we do that, we know that opens up the door for God to pour in his spirit in our life, begin to do things, and we hold, those, we hold that very special. And it's not the big things many times. It's the things that God does that you wonder, how in the world do you do it? I was talking to a lady at my, um, at my, at my uh, barber shop the other day, and, and I didn't even know that she knew another lady in church, and I invited her to church. And then she goes home and tells her friend about coming to this church because the preacher of this church asked her to come to church, and I had no idea. And the lady met me in the hall and said, I'm so excited because you helped me invite her to church. I said, I had no idea. It was God. That's special. That's special because I don't have to work it all out. I walk in the favor of God. And it's special. It's special to work for Him. It's special to walk in the blessing. It's special to share Christ. So whenever I'm getting my life arranged and I'm doing these things, it doesn't matter because it's special. Amen. So you're answering that question, are we there yet? I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. Uh, maybe you are because you're past the season. You're like, yeah, I've already had my 17 Christmases. <laughs> Congratulations. If you haven't, we're praying for you, okay? But are you there yet? Maybe, maybe not. But we know in that to continue to be the light that Christ has called us to be, we strive to find common ground. We guard that light of Christ in our life sacredly. And we work as hard as possible. And like Paul said, just as pointing as many people as we can to Christ. And yeah, we get tired. Yeah, we get frustrated. And yeah, we get aggravated. Can I get an amen on that? And then you wonder, why in the world is this happening to me? It's supposed to be one of the happiest seasons. Because there's a lot of pressure sometimes. And we're not there yet. Anybody who's learned to master their emotions, master their mind, master all that stuff, come, tell me. Because we'll write a book together and we'll both be rich. <laughs> but we don't. And it's tough. And that's what Paul is saying here. There's some things that we have to do, but there's a great, great, special privilege to do it. Would you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.